And see, now we're recording. Woohoo! That's how technology works. Technology. Hi! And I'm am I going to use an Irish accent? Or a English accent? I don't know. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, I'm like 15 seconds in, I've already made a mockery of an entire uh, country. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Wages of Cinema. I am your host, Jack, and it's just Jack. And <laughs> I am Trash Panda Corey. And boy, oh boy, we're going to dig into some trash heap today. Um, I think our idea uh, this month was, uh, or really the past couple weeks, was to return with the podcast and kind of do like sort of like a highbrow, lowbrow sort of thing. Um, so, you know, you got you our episode about, you know, the best picture Oscar nominees and you, know, you have lots of very sensitively made and you know, important dramatic pictures. Um, and then you got Leprechaun. Yeah, so we watched <laughs> six Leprechauns movies in the last, like, three Le weeks. You got Leprechauns movies? Don't you just say Leprechaun? I said Leprechaun movies. I think you said Leprechauns. Oh. You can go back later and listen. I don't mean to correct you. I'm sorry. Um, But the, we could thank, actually, of all things... um. Uh, when I when we got the uh, the stimulus, I <laughs> so thank you Biden. This this episode is uh, signed Joe R. Biden. Joe Biden sponsored this episode. Cause yeah, we used a little bit of our sweet stimulus cheddar to buy. <laughs> uh, I happened to be in the store and they had all six leprechaun. No, no, that's not that's that's not true. Seven Leprechaun movies, but we're not going to talk about the last one because it, it doesn't count. We're Warwick Davis for life. Yeah. Yeah, we just uh, slapped hands at that. Um, and yeah, and for those who are wondering what the hell we're talking about. Um, uh, so from 1993 to 2003, um, there were six movies uh, made in the uh, Leprechaun franchise. Um if you could call it that, uh, you know, it, it, they were, uh, and interestingly, uh, from my research, the first, only the first two movies were released theatrically and, you know, because thanks to the home video market, um, you know, Warwick Davis kept getting work for, you know, years afterward and, you know, two results that are, um, you know, <laughs> Uh, you know, they're, they're what they are. I mean, here's what I want to say up front. I think that, you know, these aren't exactly, like, great horror movies. <laughs> I think we could say, is that fair? Yes. No. Definitely fair. No, this isn't like when we reviewed the Psycho movies, and we, at least half the time, tried to take th those movies seriously. Um, you know, or, you know, like a John Carpenter or Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, the movies that are really like the big high ups, it's like Leprechaun, you know, I'm sure Warwick Davis will never stop working at, at conventions and, you know, and God bless him. He's, he's a treasure, you know, Wicked the Ewok for life. <laughs> um, we love Ewoks. We love Warwick Davis in this household and these movies we watched a behind-the-scenes featurette 
on Leprechaun 6, Leprechaun Back to the Hood. And it was amazing because everyone involved in the making of this featurette was admirably honest. And as the director of that film said, it's not filet mignon, but you're not hungry afterwards. <laughs> no, what he said is like, you know, sometimes you just got to make a sandwich. He said that too. <laughs> <laughs> and they put that over footage of a character making a sandwich in the movie. And it just <laughs> and it just made me think of uh you know, it just made me think of Carl Weathers from Arrested Development. Yeah. You know, the whole like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's still some bone on that meat. You gotta throw in some leprechaun, you gotta throw in some hood, you gotta throw in some four-leaf clover, and you got yourself a sandwich, baby. <laughs> So we uh, um anyway, so yeah, that that featurette was amazing. I'm so I didn't know what I was expecting with that, and it was like Warwick Davis literally said in that. I gotta talk about this for a second. He literally was like, "Well, you know, the the last uh, in the hood movie, you know, they somebody printed out uh, some paper that had a number on it, and they said, well, this is good enough to make another one.' Yeah." He, he literally says, like, well, they decided to do this movie because it was, you know, <laughs> money. Yeah. And just like sometimes you make art and sometimes you make a sandwich, sometimes you make a horror comedy and sometimes it works. Sometimes it's not great. Yeah. But... Yeah. That's the thing about these movies, too, to get back because we're going to talk about all the movies, uh, you know, more or less, you know, I'll, we're not having any specific time limit with these. We're going to, uh, but we're going to go in chronological order. And the thing that's important to note, though, is for the most part, these movies try to be horror comedies. And that is actually a very difficult type of movie to pull off, right? Um, you know, because a lot of times if you're trying to, you know, be funny or trying to be scary. That's that's hard enough on its own. You gotta try to do that together, and you really gotta have your head on straight. And so that's why when we say that the, the quality of these movies isn't exactly consistent, you know, sometimes these movies really get it right, and other times, when they don't, you're just kind of sitting there and watching it be. Yeah, so... What we were going to do is we were going to start with a few of our overall impressions of the franchise as a whole. Yes. So these are broad general comments that we can make about all the Leprechaun movies. So these are not specific to any one Leprechaun film. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to start with my broad general feelings about this franchise. First, Warwick Davis is awesome. Yes. Without Warwick Davis, this this wouldn't be a franchise. Yeah, and absolutely. And to that point, um, I mentioned earlier that there was a seventh movie with these with in, in this box set that I got, and it was like they decided to do like an origin story movie ten years later without Warwick Davis, and I don't think I'm ever going to watch that. <laughs> um, no. And that is a credit to how. Uh, much fun Warwick Davis is having in these movies. He 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 gets what this what these movies need to be. And I was reading actually when they were originally preparing the first movie, 
I think the director was going to make it more of just a straight horror movie. Like he he was just going to make it like Leprechaun, evil guy, you know, little guy, you know, has his pot of gold, and you know he's he other people are trying to take his gold from him. He's going to you know try to get back, and you know by any means necessary in his case. And Warwick Davis told this guy, no, no, this needs to be funny. You need to make it ridiculous. I'm in all of this makeup and in this, like, leprechaun suit. Just go to town. And that is what I think he gets about these movies. And when the directors in these movies are also on his wavelength, they they can work very well. And also in an overriding thought about these movies, when they go for gore, it can be also very funny, too. Yes. So, other overarching points about the franchise there is zero continuity between these films <laughs> absolutely zero oh to my the god point that we became entranced by a fan theory we read on letterboxd that warwick davis is in fact portraying a different leprechaun in each film that rather than being the same character in movie after movie, he is rather a leprechaun, not the leprechaun. Yeah. There is zero continuity well, whatsoever. Yeah, well, that's that's because that's the thing. It's like you're you're not getting the sort of deal that you had in, uh, say, like the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, where, um, you know, like they are trying to reference things in the later movies that happened before, or maybe like the fourth movie is a continuation of the third and Freddie remembers this or that character or that, or, you know, or, um, or God, what they did in the fucking Halloween movies <laughs> by the sixth one of those movies. That was just like, that's like the ha Halloween QAnon. <laughs> But but no, that, that fan theory makes sense though. In this case, like the leprechaun, you're not he's not referencing other characters from past movies. He's you know, he he appears fresh, and that's basically, you know, we're suddenly in a new story. So if you wanted to, uh, in a way, this almost works well for people who can be really frustrated by continuity-dependent movies, like the people who go to Marvel movies and say, oh, oh, God, how am I supposed to watch, like, Avengers Age of Ultron, but I haven't seen the other Avengers or or the Thor one with the hammer and the thing. And, like, no, if you want to just watch Leprechaun 3, just watch Leprechaun 3. Yeah, so, basically, each of these films you can watch independently. We watch them in order but you don't have to because the leprechaun's backstory is not consistent from film to film. Mm -hmm. The way to kill him is not consistent from film to film. Mm. The level, his powers wax and wane. Like he has certain powers in some movies, but not others. So you can really jump in at any point. Yeah. And I, I have to think that with the exception of movies three and four, the movies didn't have, like, any kind of steady hand. Like, maybe that was why they just decided, like, you know what, screw it. You know, each story is its own leprechaun movie. Um, and, I don't know, as a question, do you think, the, like, would have been any better if they had tried any continuity? 
Like if like at the beginning of one movie, you saw how he managed to like reconstitute himself the way like you know you see in like the the, the Chucky movies. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I feel like maybe a little continuity in his backstory might have helped. Yeah, but I don't need references to the other films. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. That's why. Even though, again, I on the whole enjoy these movies as real guilty pleasures, I don't see myself revisiting, like, all of them the way I do, like, certain other horror, mm-hmm. like, like genre movies. Because, again, there isn't, like, any depth with his character. He's just, you know, and, but, but that's part of the pleasure, too. He's total id. Yes, that is a good way of putting it. Another thing I would say about these movies as a whole is they are very cheaply made, <laughs> which is directly addressed multiple times in the feature that we watched. Well, and this extreme cheapness can be charming at times, but also frustrating at times. Because yeah. in the movie that I think we are both going to list as our least favorite of the Leprechaun films, the cheapness manifested in cutting away from kills yes because maybe they were too cheap to literally show us kills yeah that's the thing is that these movies well in particular by the time you get to the in the hood movies um you know you have this period in genre movies where you know they were still using practical effects but cgi was starting to creep its way in it hadn't gotten to the point where you know, bad CGI blood had completely taken over, but it was starting to get there. And yeah, absolutely. That you could tell um, when these movies, I think, are at their worst, and I mean legit worst, is when they're just lazy. And yeah. that's that. that is a problem when, you know, at least in a few of the movies, if they don't really commit to showing you, like, the violence, you know, in this cartoonish way. I mean, it's basically like, you're basically watching an R-rated Saturday morning cartoon. <laughs> you know, like, Warwick Davis is, like, a character from, like, a Ninja Turtles cartoon. You know, like, manifested. Like, I could see him, like, getting into it in an episode or two with the Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> like, he would have fit in so... I would have owned that... I would have owned his action figure. I would have played with it, like, until the dogs came home, or whatever. Um, but yeah, so that's absolutely a thing. Yeah, the movies are made cheaply. Sometimes, I think, depending on... Like, we're gonna, again, they're gonna be, I think, at least a couple of the movies where, even though they're cheap, I think, though, there's still charm. Yeah. And that can be something that if you have the right genre filmmaker, and like I said, three and four are directed by the same guy, um, and I'll get into him more later, I think he understood, like, okay, I don't have a lot of money, but I can use it where it counts. And that that can be, and that's something you can see that they were trying to do in these movies, especially because, again, like, two-thirds of this series is direct-to-video. <laughs> you know, in terms of scraping the bottom of the barrel, like, the only place left we have left to go is, like, the talking cat movies <laughs> and, like, talking dog movies. <laughs> but give us time. We have seen a talking cat. 
<laughs> Question mark. So. Corey, I don't make the rules. <laughs> All right. So I don't know what other, oh, other oh, another overriding observation is, you know, connected with kind of like the low budgets. The performances are charitably to say hit or miss. Yeah. Um, you know, there are times where they get name actors in some of these movies. Um, there are other times where you kind of get surprised by, um, the, like this or that character actor. And I'm going to point them out as we go on with, with talking about them, uh, who are really trying, um, you know, or you get, you know, uh, Tony Cox pops up, of course, <laughs> in a very funny scene at one point. <laughs> Oh god, I can't wait to talk about him. Um, and, but I think you know that's something you have to kind of expect. It's like the actors you get in these are the actors you get, which <laughs> was another part that I felt bad, like because I laughed in that featurette we watched, uh-huh. where the director was like, I-, "I was really surprised we were able to get real actors." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our number one. <laughs> Our number one recommendation <laughs> is going to be the making of featurette for yeah. Leprechaun Back to the Hood. Yeah, if you get the pop, if by some weird chance you get the Blu-ray of Leprechaun Back to the Hood, please check out the 15-minute-long special feature, which is like the, the 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 casting. Well, there's only like Warwick Davis, the director, and I think a makeup guy who like give details about the making of the movie and my God, the other crazy thing with that just as a sidebar is that that movie has three commentary tracks, three. That means the director of this movie watched this movie three times. <laughs> He's probably the only one who watched this movie three times. Oh, I, I feel kind of bad, but you know, cause I'm, you know, I'm, I'm also, you know, I've made a low budget movie or two. I know what it's like to try to work with what you got, but you know, I mean, sometimes you try to make art and sometimes you make a bong that, you know, kills a guy. <laughs> All right. So are there any other overarching things we want to say about these movies? Um, I recommend them as a whole. If you're into low budget horror comedies, yeah, I I think that the, I do recommend them. Generally speaking, like I would probably direct you, and again, we're gonna get into it more in depth in a moment, but you know, towards maybe this one over the other. Um, but I overall, I I had fun watching these. I think that they are, you know, like I I described it as in particular the last one being like digging into an expired bag of Funyuns. <laughs> which means like, you know, they might not taste that great, but they're still Funyuns. Um, you know, they, they have their brand. They, you know, it's kind of almost enjoyable how you know, we talked about the continuity not matching up. Also, the rules involving the leprechaun don't really match up no, movie to movie. Not at like, all. Like, sometimes even to the point of what the leprechaun cares about. Yeah. Uh, and that almost itself makes it kind of laugh funny. I was almost going to say laughable, but, um, you know, I I think, again, if you've had, if you're one of those people that you've had a very long day of work, you've had to put up with a lot of stuff, you know, things with, uh, um, you know, 
COVID are still crap out there, you know, if you're still struggling, you know, pop on a Leprechaun movie. You know, it, it's, it's, you know, it's not Citizen Kane, but it gets the job done. <laughs> <laughs> Orson Welles is Leprechaun. Oh, God, I would have wanted to see that. Yeah. It would have been full of, like, like, lots, like, tons of tilted angles and, like, weird expressive, like, close-ups <laughs> and, like... <laughs> if I could act, I would love to play the Leprechaun. Ooh. And being, like, a tag team movie, like me and Warwick Davis, I could be, like, his Leprechaun wife. And if I could act, that would be a dream of mine. Aww. I feel a strong kinship to this character because I have Irish ancestry and I'm short. Yes. Although that's the one other thing that's that's kind of funny about Warwick Davis's performance is that I don't think he really committed to an Irish accent. Like I think sometimes it's there, but other times it sounds like he's just speaking in his English accent. Yeah, his voice sounds a bit different from film to film. Also, <laughs> in some movies his dialogue rhymes and in other movies it doesn't. It comes yeah. and goes. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing. If you're wondering, like, is he going to rhyme all the time? And I, I would tell you, well, he'll probably rhyme for the rest of this movie, but get to the next one and maybe he won't. Yes. <laughs> it depends how much thought the 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 writer put into it. Like, again, I, I have to wonder if, especially by the time they got to the later movies, do you think they had, like, the filmmakers watch the previous films? <laughs> I'm really not sure. <laughs> there are times where it feels like that, where you're watching and you think like, hmm, do you know the rules of the four-leaf clover? Do you know, like, <laughs> what this gold is supposed to be? Like, how can you kill this character? <laughs> Things like that, you know, yeah. kind of concerns. Um, right. So we'll talk for a few minutes about each film, and then we're going to give our ranking yeah. of the Leprechaun movie. Yeah, I think that's a good structure. Um, you know, first, uh, you know, obviously the first movie is you know the one that came out nineteen ninety three. Uh, people actually remember this one probably the most on its own, if nothing else, because Jennifer Aniston is the other big name from this. This was right on the cusp of Friends. Like, I think this was her first big movie role. Yeah. And I think we talked a little bit about that, like, when we were watching it, because she, like, she has kind of an attitude about it, like, yeah, you know, it's what it is. You know, I, I, I got cast in it. And, but the other, but the thing with her is that she thought, like, oh, this is going to be my huge break. Yeah, I did read in an interview with her, I was very charmed by the fact she said she was really excited to work with Warwick Davis. Yeah, that's kind of neat. I mean, well, you have to remember Warwick Davis by then, you know, he, he he's one of those names that might not be a household name for some people. And, you know, those are lame people. <laughs> uh, but... Um, I, what's funny is, though, I, I told you uh, at the, that apparently... He, you know, because he was in Return of the Jedi. Um, he was in also Willow, and I assume he was probably in those other Ewok movies yes, that he we, was. yeah, that we haven't even, I haven't seen those. If I did, I don't remember them at all. Well, thankfully they're coming to Disney Plus. So yeah, I'm sure that will 
tickle you quite much. Oh, tell the people you are literally wearing an Ewok shirt as I did not intend this. Wow. You're right. <laughs> I, I swear I did not intend to coordinate this way. Oh, uh, if only the people could see you, my cutie in an Ewok shirt. It's it's an Ewok eating noodles out of a stormtrooper's helmet. Yes. Um, which was this was this shirt recommended to us by Guest Star Matt? Yes, Guest Star Matt did recommend that we purchase yeah, this shirt. Yeah, if you're listening, Guest Star Matt, thank you again for recommending this shirt. Oh, I should also mention right at the outset, I should thank Guest Star Matt because many years ago, many years ago, I actually watched Leprechaun in the Hood mm -hmm. and Leprechaun Back to the Hood with Guest Star Matt. Huh. Not, I think not only was it before we were married, I think it was before we were even dating. Yeah. It was that long ago, before we were even a couple. Mm -hmm. I watched two of these movies with Guest Star Matt. So. Yeah. Well, I think that context is important too about what our experience was with these movies before we started watching them. Because we neither of us have sat down to watch all of them in a row. Like, you had seen a couple of them. I think you, you said you'd seen the third one. What had happened was I had seen, before we sat in to do this project, I had seen the first one. I watched the third one before we went to Vegas, because the third one is set in Vegas. Mm -hmm. And then I had seen five and six, with guest star Matt many years ago. Yeah, so the only ones you hadn't seen were two and four. I had only seen the first one, um, yeah. and that was years back. Um, but to bring it back around to, again, with the first movie, in some ways, I think the first movie does try to, at times, be a real horror movie. Um, but that's actually fine. It, it, it's the kind of horror comedy where, again, it's, it's laid out pretty straightforward, like, the you know, leprechaun, you know, a thousand years ago or whatever. Uh, wait, is it in the first movie or the second one? The second movie is the one oh. that starts with him who he wants to get the wife, and then oh boy, he tricks her into sneezing, and then <laughs> he's thwarted and he can't get with her, and then he says, "Okay, in a thousand years, I'm gonna get with one of her." Oh, okay. I, but in the first one, there is also a prologue with another character. Yes. Because originally, like, the Leprechaun, when Jennifer Aniston and her, and, like, the, the, the modern-day characters arrive at this house, um, Leprechaun is in a, I think, like, a chest or something, like, yeah. in the, in the basement. Yeah. Like, that, it's a, such a random place that he's been locked away, and, of course, you know, oh, okay, well, there, someone's gonna open it up, and he's gonna get out, and, <laughs> of course, it happens, and... I don't even remember in the first one. It, oh, is it like, does someone have like just one piece of gold or? Because that's what happens in these movies. Either someone has just one coin that the leprechaun can't let fucking go, or it's like a different type or like a lot more gold. Well, what happens is they have multiple pieces of gold, but the reason why you're thinking of the one is. One of the guys who's kind of a slow adult yeah. eats a piece of the gold. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. I, I wanted to mention him. Like, again, for these movies, I have... Uh, what I've done is I've tried to, for almost, like, almost all of them, try to look at at least one or two actors that really stood out and 
were certainly memorable. And in the first movie, you know, again, Jennifer Aniston, she's there. She's she's trying to be a lead in the movie. She's okay. But Mark Holton, uh, who plays his character Ozzy, uh, you might remember him from Pee-wee's Big Adventure uh, as Francis. Like, he is probably, like, one of the very dumbest characters I've ever seen in a horror movie. Yes. And obviously, horror movies are full of dumb characters. So, but that's it, but saying it's, quite something. Yeah, it's to, the, well, it's to the point where, like, this character has, like, kind of like a child sidekick, almost. Yeah. And at one point, the kid says to him, you know, may, you know, the leprechaun grants a wish. Maybe you should uh, ask him for, like, to, if he can if he can get a brain. <laughs> and he says this pretty seriously um but he's actually very i thought he was kind of delightful in the movie uh even though again very dumb character um and yeah he's the one that eats the gold coin and you know again this is the movie that i think sets up the the template for what these movies are more or less and i actually like this one quite a bit among the the bunch of them because I think it, it knows what it wants to be. It has, again, really good, some good kills. Um, again, Leprechaun really using his body to mangle people at points. And the part that really stood out to me, they go out, the characters go outside at one point and they're looking at the sky and the shittiest rainbow comes across the sky. Oh yeah, the rainbow with only three colors in it. <laughs> like, oh my god. Like They couldn't even make a rainbow with all the colors. The, the live action Winnie the Pooh that I watched from the 80s had like better optical effects than that. So yeah, I think this movie is totally solid. I think it's a little slow mm. at times. Like, the kills are good, but to me, there's too long a gap between it, the opening kill and then when things get down to business in earnest in the present. The, the, it does take a little bit of setup. You're right. I mean, the the a lot of times in these movies, you get either the main male character or the main female character are just... You know, they're 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 basically blocks of plank wood. They're they're there to like say, "Oh my God, what happened there? Oh no, he's dead. What what could have killed him? I don't know. We have to do something. You know, like that that type of stuff." And Jennifer Aniston is paired with this guy who's just kind of there. He did not have the career that Jennifer Aniston had after this movie <laughs> for obvious reasons. Yeah, yeah, probably not. Uh, and also. The other thing I remember, too, from this movie is that the score is very, like, bouncy. Oh, yeah! It, it reminded me of music from Charles Band movies <laughs> in a great way. But I, I think I might have enjoyed it a tiny bit more than you. Um, again, I wouldn't say that it's, like, a, you know, it's, again, it's no classic or anything like that. But it's, it's probably, it's one of the more fun ones to me. Because I think... Warwick Davis is clearly establishing. I'm gonna just crack lots of jokes. I'm I'm that kind of character. I have lots of puns. Yes. Um, and he had and uh, what the way that they come up with to kill him is really clever. Yes. So another 
building on what we were saying about how these movies have no continuity, mm -hmm. the method for killing the leprechaun is also different from film to film. Yes. So in this movie, we're told that four-leaf clovers are his weakness. So the little kid in this movie slingshots a four-leaf clover into his mouth. Yeah. You know why I wonder? Do you think that like the writer-director saw it? Do you remember that with it? Like, not, I don't know if in the book, but in the movie, like, when in the 1950s one, like, one of the kids, like, slingshots Pennywise. Yeah, you know, th that probably is an it comparison. Mmm. Yeah, it just occurred. And how, again, very satisfyingly violent throughout, too. Like, that's, like, established also very well. The effects are quite good. And just also as a general comment, Leprechaun's makeup is just cool throughout all these movies. Even when they have, like, you know, the change from the, the phone booth that they made <laughs> the deal in to make the movie. Like, <laughs> that's the budget. <laughs> Warwick Davis is just, he looks great in these movies. Yeah, that's a really good point. As cheap as these movies are, they never stint on the makeup for the Leprechaun. The Leprechaun always looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and if you don't believe that, then, you know, you're not going to have a movie, I think. Um, yeah, so that's, again, that's the first movie. Um, again, characters go to a house, Leprechaun terrorizes them, and, you know, and naturally, the other fun thing, too, with these movies, and in the first one, one last thing, like, you know, if you try to call the cops and say what's going on, they're just going to be like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, so... <laughs> Which is funny, because you'd think... Okay, well, obviously they sound a little crazy, but maybe we should still check it out. It could be someone, a crazy person dressed up as a leprechaun. Well, yeah, that's the other thing. If anyone is in this situation, do not call the cops and say you're being menaced by a leprechaun. Yeah. Just say that you're being menaced by, you know, an intruder. Oh, I should mention, the first movie introduces a power that the leprechaun has that he uses in other movies but he doesn't use in all of them mm. which is his shape-shifting power yeah you know that's interesting like you mentioned that because i feel like by the in like the like the fifth and sixth movies they just they drop that which is weird because that's a great power to have yeah it's he he has the power to shift into other characters or he can use their voice to yeah. use in another way um and that is a unique uh attribute for for like a, a killer like this you know it's it's it, it's um you know it, it's almost like how um god what am i gonna say i'm just flashing to mars attacks where like the the one <laughs> like the alien puts on like the woman makeup and, <laughs> yeah. and Martin Short. <laughs> All right, so moving on to movie two. Um, so in this one, uh, you get a you know, leprechaun comes back this time. They're in L.A. Um, as we mentioned, this the prologue is a thousand years before he. You know, in this one, it's like I want a wife. You know, and, you know, he's, I forget, in the prologue, is he going to have a wife and then she dies? What happens is in the prologue of the second movie, he's going to get a wife, but then his future wife's father is able to kind of, like, get her out of it. Uh, 
Okay. Um, we should mention, though, outside of the prologue, we've got a scenery change for the second movie. The second movie is set in L.A. Yes, yes. The first movie is set in North Dakota. Was it? I picked this I up from the... I picked this up from the Wikipedia page. I didn't get that at all. I thought that the first Leprechaun was actually, like... I knew it was set in America, but I thought it was set, like, somewhere else for some reason. I guess I guess North Dakota works. It's, it's rural. It's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it's that trope. Basically, the difference is the first movie is set primarily in a farmhouse, where the second movie is set in a city. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that's and that's that's a nice little change. You know, you have actually, you could say, come to think of it, hmm, two thirds of the of this series are set in the city. Yeah, which I know is something we've talked about over the years about how you know horror movies aren't set enough in cities. Yeah, so maybe that's another reason why this franchise is near and dear to my uh-huh. heart. Yeah. Although you could argue that by the time they get to the sixth one, it's like, well, I guess it's a city technically, but, you know, <laughs> they didn't exactly use any unique locations. Yeah. Um, but anyway, second movie, you have like uh, a, a, a guy who is, uh, oh God, I don't even remember the full plot of the second one. Can you remind me? <laughs> We just watched this movie a few weeks ago. Well, the problem is, in the second movie, the leads that aren't Warwick Davis are pretty bad. Yeah, I'm look- yeah the, the leads are uh, Charlie Heath, Heath and, and Siobhan Durkin. Durkin. And, oh yeah, Siobhan Durkin especially, she just, I feel bad criticizing her, because I'm sure that she, you know, wanted to try to give a good performance, but... Something about her voice just doesn't sound right in this kind of context. Like, she also, like, eventually, I think towards the end, when she just has to play damsel in distress, she's maybe a little better. Uh But when she's just trying to play straight dramatic scenes or, like, scenes with Charlie Heath, it it falls really flat. Yeah, basically. It's It's basically a flat soda. Basically, the pe- the only people delivering good performances in the second movie are Warwick Davis and Take the Pen, Jerry. Take the Pen. <laughs> yes, yes. That's the actor I wanted to point out. There's this, like, older man guy that wor- is kind of basically like a, I guess kind of like you could call him like an alcoholic, like, you know, gambling loser. He's kind of lost a lot of his money, like, on these, like, schemes or, or just gambling in general, and... The actor who plays him is named Sandy Barron, who, again, Seinfeld fans will know is Jack Krampus. You know, take the pen, Jerry, take the pen! Oh, the pen, take the pen! Like, he's that guy, you know. Um, and he's having a fun, he's having a lot of fun. I think he understands kind of what this movie should be, uh, or what his performance in it he can contribute. Um, and, you know, you've seen him in lots of stuff over the years. He plays, and in this movie, he plays Morty. Hey, Morty. <laughs> <laughs> He's the boss of the boring protagonist okay. and his boring Yeah, that's that's how, he's, that's how he's connected with them, yeah. And and again, the, the, the main thrust of this movie, Leprechaun comes back, you know, sees... Um, uh, I've already forgotten her name again. <laughs> Siobhan Durkin. Yeah, who she, plays Bridget. Yeah, Bridget. He sees her and, real, and says, oh, you're going to be my wife. Yeah. And... 
you know, and then that's where horror and chaos ensue. And the thing about this movie is that it 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 has some good moments. And obviously, in fact, there's even a there's a part that's kind of a freak homage. And I mentioned earlier Tony Cox. Tony Cox appears in this movie at one point. It's like there's a table full of little people who are cheering on Warwick Davis to drink like a bottle of like whiskey or something. Yeah. And they're like, one of us, one of us, one <laughs> of us. And that's why in Letterbox I put content warning alcoholism, comma, blatant freaks homage. <laughs> um and so of course Warwick Davis, he gets to play drunk. He has fun with that. Um he gets off a few good one liners, but there's also like I feel like even though the there's some good violence and kills. The last 20 minutes of this, it's just like he's kind of chasing the characters through this like kind of dank like cave setting. Yeah, I when we were watching this movie, for the majority of the movie, I actually thought despite the weak acting, the first and second movies were like on par with each other. Mhm. But for me, what ultimately kind of doomed this movie is the climax is very weak. Yeah, it's yeah. It's just boring. Yeah, you're just watching, for the most part, Leprechaun, like, wandering through, like, these halls, trying to go after the characters. You know, maybe they hurt him. He gets some shots off. Um, there there are a couple of moments where, as we said before, he does some fun shape-shifting. Um I think at one point, does does he impersonate... I don't know if he, I remember he impersonates, like, a woman. Yeah, he impersonates Bridget. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He impersonates Bridget. Um, and, uh, yeah, in this one, they don't really bother, I don't think, with the four-leaf clover. No, in this movie, this movie introduces something that only exists in this film, because it's really stupid. The idea that if you have the leprechaun's gold... His gold protects you from attacks by him. This is an incredibly stupid plot point to introduce into a series which is all about a leprechaun killing people who have his gold. Yeah, yeah, like, pick a lane. Like, either, you know, if you want to make the gold dangerous to the leprechaun, I guess do that, but don't... But the, but we what we know about leprechauns in just general lore is, like... They want their gold. You know, they really love their gold. I mean, Darby O'Gill and the Little People, anyone? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's... He's killed with wrought iron in the second movie. So there's yes. no reference to Four Leaf Clovers. I should mention, even though this is one of the weaker entries, the way they kill Uncle Morty is real good in this. Yes. Because yeah. the way they kill Uncle Morty is... Um, the leprechaun transplants a pot of gold, including yes. the literal pot that the gold comes <laughs> I, in. I, I gotta talk about, I mean, it is kind, that's one of the effects, though, that I thought looked pretty cheesy. That, like, they show, like, the, like there's supposed to be, like, a fake belly with, like, the pot of gold under it, and, like, that looked like it was kind of slapped together. Like, I I thought he played the death scene pretty fun, but, like, that part, I was just like, no. Yeah, so in this movie, the kills are good, but the lead actors are yeah. just 
They're hard to take. Yeah, and the whole thing, as you said, with the, the you know, if he can't be killed, if he, you know, has the gold coin, I, I just, it seems like a contrivance to keep things moving, and you, you kind of know where it's going to go. Again, I don't think it's terribly, like, I don't think it's one of the worst movies in the series. Actually, hmm, it probably is one of the lesser ones yeah. in the series, for sure. But, again, if you're still, if you see it come on TV, you know, Watch it. I Leprechaun mean, 2 is an excellent phone scroll movie. Yeah. Because you can look up at the good kills and whenever Warwick Davis is doing his thing, and then you can kind of zone out when the boring characters are talking. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, that's kind of a backhanded compliment, but <laughs> I, I kind of agree. I think that is definitely the one that, yeah. It, oh, and also, too, it might have been fun if... Um, to get a little, like, X-rated content here, if we'd seen the Leprechaun do some fucking... Yes! <laughs> that is something it's I wish... It's kind of That is something I wish they had pushed <laughs> further in this series. Um, like... Because the Leprechaun is sometimes kind of a lech. I wish they had pushed that further. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a point, like, later on in the series, in one of the In the Hood movies, where he has his zombie fly girls. Yeah. You know, you gotta think he's tapping some of those asses. Yeah. <laughs> I wish... It, I do wish we had gotten a full-on leprechaun sex scene at some point. Well, in up to a point. I, let's not get crazy. <laughs> I think what they could have done was what they did with, like, Bride of Chucky, where maybe they have, like, a silhouette. Yeah. You know, like, and have a joke about it. You know, like, in that movie, you know, don't you have a rubber? Look at me. I'm made of rubber. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, moving on now. Now we get into the auteur of the Leprechaun franchise. Yes. We need to talk about Brian Trenchard-Smith who uh, directed movies 3 and 4, uh, and Leprechaun 3 doesn't have a colon, but we should just call it Leprechaun 3, uh, Viva Las Vegas. Um, And then Leprechaun 4 is in space. And um, Brian Trenchard Smith is a really fascinating guy. Like, he he started from uh, the world of Ozploitation. He was, like, uh, an Australian director who has made a number of films I really like. Uh, like, he's made he made this movie called Turkey Shoot, which is a you know, really well-directed action movie. Um, about Well, it's almost like kind of a dystopian movie that has shades of, like, you know, like a, The Running Man or The Long Walk. It's like characters... Or the, or the Most Dangerous Game. Like, that's basically what that movie is, but Australian... Uh, highly recommend Turkey Shoot. He did a really fun movie called Dead End Drive-In. Yes, I am which a you've big, seen. I am a big Dead End Drive-In fan as well. Uh-huh. And to make this slightly anticlimactic for our ratings, his two Leprechaun movies are the crown jewels of the franchise. I think <laughs> Leprechaun 3 and Leprechaun 4 are both like a whole step above every other movie in the franchise. Uh, uh, well, I would agree, although I think that you can tell, like, some of the budget problems kind of take four down a little bit. Um, but you're right, the, he he's the one that I think is on that wavelength with Warwick Davis, where he knows these need to be, like, 
big, dumb, gross comic book movie horror type things. Like yeah. they, he, you know, they embrace that the personalities in these movies need to be big. That you know, when they have the kills, they are you know, ter- you know, really terrifically gory. Um, that you know, you have certain supporting characters that are just completely ridiculous and. And and also in in some ways these these movies um, like show some ideas about where they could take where you could take uh, things with the mythology. Yeah, like three and four, I think, are the most creative, and they're also kind of the busiest plot wise. What I like about three and four is the movies are constantly throwing stuff at you, like. There's no dead spots in either three or four. They're constantly upping mm-hmm. the ante. They're constantly yeah. killing someone or giving you, like, a new mythological twist. So in the third movie, which is set in Vegas, although it's funny, we've been to Vegas. The movie is shot mostly on Fremont Street. Yes. and Not the Las Vegas Strip. Which, which is so funny. Like, there are some, like... You could tell there are some shots where they got the characters like kind of driving on the strip or in other yeah. parts of Vegas. But yeah, the majority of it takes place by Fremont Street. And for anyone who's ever been to Vegas, Fremont Street is not great. No, Fremont <laughs> Street is like the shabbier, more busted version of the strip. Yeah, it's where like a lot of the tourists go there, but like the people who maybe don't have the money to gamble in like Caesar's palace. And I think there are places you can gamble on Fremont street, oh, yeah, there's but plenty of casinos, but it's definitely it, like a cheaper, that's, yeah. like dirtier version of the that's, trip. Now I'm just thinking of, um, I don't know if you remember last fall, I watched this, uh, I guess you could call it pseudo documentary, uh, uh, it was called like Bloody Noses, Empty Pockets. Yeah, and that was like one actually one of my favorite movies last year. I and that's like it's all set in like a bar. That feels like that's like Fremont Street. <laughs> um, and yeah, and then this movie talking about the continuity, like again at the end of the second movie, you know they blow up Leprechaun. Like he's now like into you know like a hundred pieces, but beginning of this movie. You know, he's been changed into a statue by a magical medallion, and he's, you know, sold to a pawn shop. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of, like, parts of this movie, like, I never watched it, so it feels like Leprechaun Pawn Wars. <laughs> yes. Um. Because obviously there's a lot of pawn shops in Vegas, too, um, that take advantage of people who gamble more than they should. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And so, again, he, he comes back. No continuity from the last one. Who cares? Leprechaun is here. And this time, it's not the gold. It's this, like, medallion. Right? Well, there is the gold. But what's just... He doesn't seem as gold-focused, though, in this one. In this one, you have the gold, but he's very focused on this medallion. Yeah. It, it makes you wonder if in, like, Brian Trenchard Smith, maybe he just wasn't really, in like, into the whole, you know, gold. <laughs> he wasn't as interested in that and wanted to have, like, 
other MacGuffins for him. The other thing that this movie introduces is the idea of one of the main characters actually turning into a leprechaun. Yes, that over was... Over the course of the film. And that's, yeah, I wanted to bring that up. Um, and I think that's the main character, this guy, John Gatton's plays. I think Scoot is his name. Uh, he's the one who... I think it's Scott. Or Scott. You I don't can't know why... read your own handwriting, that's why. The people can't see, but my lovely co-host writes like a serial killer. His handwriting is completely deranged. I can write fine. I was writing quickly. I wanted to get us into recording mode. Yes. Um, But yeah, he somehow through like one of his interactions with Leprechaun, like gets cut and Leprechaun blood gets on him. And yeah, over the, like the course of the second half of this movie, he kind of takes on, like, leprechaun characteristics. And it's kind of, like, <laughs> you could almost call it, like, Irish exploitation Because he, like, starts talking with an Irish accent and... Becomes obsessed with eating potatoes. <laughs> yeah, he, like, basically creates a potato famine in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> single-handedly and and yeah and like they have he has a lot of fun i think playing like this uh you know like basically this monster movie character who like you know almost like a werewolf he got you know in, but instead of like it being the moon it's he's just turning into a leprechaun also this actor was in an episode of are you afraid of the dark which ah, is pretty awesome and pretty another cool. thing is in leprechaun 3 they really emphasize this idea of using the leprechaun's gold to make wishes. Mm. And of course, the wishes all backfire spectacularly. Yes. So you get to see some pretty fun, like, practical effects where there's this one woman oh, who I'm, basically wishes to uh, be hot. I, I'm going to talk about her. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, her, her, she's this actress who um, has been in a number of different kind of horror genre movies. Uh, her name's Carolyn Williams. Um, horror, genre fans might know remember her from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is like the radio host and also in Stepfather 2 he yeah. she was the uh, the postal lady oh nice yeah that was her um yeah she wants to st- like even though she looks fine she wants to i guess you know because it's vegas yeah. you know she's got to heighten her looks and uh that was almost just kind of gross <laughs> like they like she wishes to have like bigger boobs and she leprechaun grants the wish and they're like she becomes this gigantic almost blow up doll yeah she's got like big lips yeah too. big lips but like, big big, huge boobs big ass she came and get through the door and yeah it's it's really something like i i'm gonna think about that scene for quite a while yeah so i think <laughs> this is a real step forward for the franchise. It's more creative. It's both funnier and, like, grosser. Yeah, again, a lot of really, like, grimy, like, violent kills. Um, You know, it's like the... There's also some fun stuff inside of the casinos at points. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember, does he have fun at, like, one of the, like tables yes he you get to see the leprechaun engage in gambling as well Mm. and 
I should say, though, that the casino inside, they don't look as fancy as the casinos look inside Vegas now. At least the casinos we've been in when we yeah. were in Vegas. So, but still, yeah. good stuff. Yeah, very good stuff. Like, it, it is definitely, I would say this is my favorite of the Leprechaun movies, too. Like, it's just a real, like, a very fun action, like, you know, horror comedy, you know, where you're, you know, some of the stuff you're laughing at because it is, like, so stupid and, like, like it's, I don't know what. But then there are points where, oh, no, that was really clever. Like, yeah. that character actually got a good line off. Like, that's, uh, you know, uh, the, oh, um, oh, no, we're, we'll move. I'm, I'm looking at a screen that's for the next movie. Excuse me. Um, but, yeah, and again, he has a cast that he know like, this director knows, like, well... Yeah, I mean, they might have been a few things. I'll try to work with them the best I can. And he gets generally good work from everybody. Yeah, I think this... Another thing that makes, like, Leprechaun 3, I think, kind of the best of the franchise is that, like, everyone delivers a good performance. Now, obviously... The, define good. <laughs> good for the, like, constraints of the material. Good for what a leprechaun movie should be. Exactly. I, I meant I was joking. Like again, that's why I said I think Caroline Williams, another actor, you know, she's an actor, gets it. Um, you know, like I'm looking at some of the other cast in three, and oh, you just had the screen open. There, never mind. But like those actors, there again, they, they, I almost in a way, I wondered if like they had tried to audition for the other Vegas movies that were there at the time because. <laughs> Again, this came out in 1995, and uh, there were also three other movies that you may have heard of that were shooting at the same time, Leaving Las Vegas, Casino, and Showgirls. (laughs) And you gotta imagine, like, Brian Chenchard Smith is there, and he's like, well, you know, I can't can't compete with uh, Scorsese, I can't compete with Verhoeven. Well, I'll just go over to my little corner and have a leprechaun kill people. <laughs> All right, so you want to move on to Leprechaun 4 in space? No, 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 no. You, you didn't say that right. Leprechaun 4 in space! <laughs> I got to create an echo with my voice because we're, you know, I'm not doing this in post. I think space is fertile terrain for long-running franchises of this type. As you know, I am a big-time fan of Jason X. I think it's the best Friday the 13th movie of the ones I've seen, which admittedly is not all of them. I think the the things that make this worthwhile are that there are at least, there are a couple of cast members aside from Warwick Davis, who, again, he's he's, he's the GOAT. Um, You have, there's this actor named uh, Guy Siner or Sinner. I don't know if I'm saying that name correctly. And he plays this character named Dr. Mittenhouse. And you first see him and he's like this big eyed face that talks like this on the TV uh, to the other characters. But then he appears and he's like a head on top of like I think, is it like a robot and he's in a chair? He's got like a cyborg body. Yeah, he's got a cyborg body. And this actor is like... Spectacular. Absolutely great. He is 
like probably might be my favorite performance of any actor in these movies aside from Warwick Davis. He is he, he is like chewing the chairs, the walls, the there's nothing left of the scenery here. Like he's eating the lights. He, he's there to play. And um I also like there there also are um the, the actor plays kind of like the marine dickhead. He he's kind of amusing even though he's one note. His name's Brett Jasmer. And then also there are a couple other people um, that I liked here. Like, uh, there's a guy you've seen a lot of these, like, genre movies named Miguel Nunez uh, Jr. Um, yeah, well, let's just, frankly, he's a black guy <laughs> of, the, of the bunch. Um, and he gets a few good lines off. Uh, like, there's this one part where, because basically the movie's an Aliens ripoff. It is so. It's aliens like photocopied, like yeah. in this in this movie. And but there's this part where the the characters are ch- having some downtime and they're like listening to music and like the white characters are these white marines are like dancing and very badly. And Miguel Nunez just has a line about like you know like about them dancing that just cracked me up. Another thing is you mentioned that this is kind of a takeoff of the Alien franchise. Well, in Alien, you have an alien bursting out of someone's chest. So, in Leprechaun in Space, the Leprechaun makes his grand arrival by bursting out of a man's penis. And it is amazing. We're almost getting into like trauma territory with this one. It's it I couldn't believe what I was seeing with that. Yeah, like that happens and it, it it's just oh, it's so great. And like I forget, does that happen like after a guy is having or trying to have sex? Yeah, so this guy is he's trying to have sex with a woman and as he's trying to have sex with her his penis explodes and the leprechaun comes out. I I watched this on Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the other thing too is this movie also ends with this amazing giant spider. Yes, yeah. It, the, this movie was produced by the guy that did like Wild Wild West, and <laughs> you know that story about the Superman uh, with uh, Kevin Smith. Yes. Yeah, that's like this. It ends with a giant spider. <laughs> so yeah, this movie, even though the setting is very different, it's in space versus Vegas, continues kind of the great work of the third movie, where you have lots of like really extreme practical effects that are either cool or cheap and bad but in a funny way yeah and like the other thing that makes the performance of i should mention too with that guy um playing mittenhouse because at a certain point leprechaun injects him with the serum and and he's (laughs) the one that i think becomes the spider yes he becomes the mitten spider Yes, Mitten Spider. There are some great practical monsters in this movie. Like, there, this is, again, right on the edge before everything was CGI. And even though, again, it's made for video, there are some effects, in, like, in particular, in, like, the last half hour that are really well done. I also like, in Leprechaun in Space, 
the leprechaun becomes giant at one point. So <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, funny. that's well, it's funny. There are some shots where it's really bad. There are some shots where you can tell. Oh yeah, no, no, th- this guy is not really there in this space at all. Like it's a bad optical effect behind him. <laughs> you know, like uh, yeah. So there's also that. Um, now you could also say like how Leprechaun comes back in this one or in his whole methodology. Like I don't even think there is gold at this time. Yeah, I would say it's about like he's trying to like the backstory is he has a like a woman like he has like someone who want he wants to be his wife. Yeah. So what happens is he's trying obviously a princess. Movie... That yeah. was it. I'm sorry. This oh. movie is set in the future. I, I'm trying to... I'm having, like, the Mandela effect with the plots of these <laughs> movies. Well, because, yeah, we watch them very close together. And I do think there is one brief reference to his gold in the movie. But Leprechaun in Space is the one movie in the series that's not gold-focused, mm. like, at all. Yeah, I think why this one is not, like not my number two is just because like except for the guy playing Mittenhouse and maybe like one other guy a lot of the actors in this are pretty bad and again I think that the it's fine that you're ripping off aliens but this is like it's so aliens like <laughs> like could you not have tried to come up with a little bit of your own plot all right so then. Basically, we are now entering, with movies five and six, the In the Hood mm-hmm. phase of the franchise. So, we will start with Leprechaun the, In the, the Hood. You know how you talk about, like, you know, like Wagner, like, his operas, you know, the, like, nibblings, like, the, the Siegfried cycle? Okay. Yeah, that's a thing. It's I don't like know an anything. Opera. I believe you. Well, it's like Wagner operas. There's like you say, "I'm gonna go see the Ring Cycle." Like <laughs> we're in the Hood Cycle. Actually, do you know what there <laughs> is in the last season of Xena? There's a trilogy called like the Ring Trilogy, which I think might be based on that. Probably. So. Um, yeah. So these movies. What's interesting here is. Uh, you know, like, like, movies one through four were filmed, like, one after another. You know, it was basically like, well, we see this was successful, let's go do the next one, next one. A few years gap between uh, four and five. And in this one, you get, like, you know, this is where it gets clear these are really, like, made for video. You know, this isn't, like, Trenchard Smith, you know, knowing he has these budget limitations, but he's going to try to be as creative and crazy as you can get this is now like well we have a gimmick you know it's this in the hood we're gonna you know try go for it again and the i think the problem with in the hood the first movie of these two like the fifth movie is that you know warwick davis is still fun and ice t at first is kind of amusing he mm. ice t is in this movie he's the other <laughs> big name you could say from this series uh, but the whole plot line involving these like basically in this movie the the plot is just such garbage yeah and we spend 
way too much time with the three rappers who are kind of the lead characters. Yeah. Who have all the charisma of a block of wood. Yeah, like, they're basically three characters who, uh, they're, like, wannabe rap guys. Like, well, actually, the well, the, it's funny, the prologue, you know it's supposed to be set 20 years before because Ice-T is wearing, like, a wig literally from Party City. Yeah. Like an afro. Yeah. It's so bad! Now, granted, too, this is another thing where the Leprechaun's backstory in this movie explicitly contradicts his backstory in earlier films. Yeah. Because in Leprechaun in the Hood, we're led to believe he's been imprisoned nonstop from the 70s up to, like, 2000. When that's yeah. obviously not true if you watch any of the other movies. Well, that's why it probably makes sense that Warwick Davis is different leprechauns. Like, while, you know, there was one leprechaun that was, op- you know, coming back to life in 1993 and terrorizing Jennifer Aniston, there was another one that was, you know, trying to get a wife that he could knock up, and then another one that he was, uh, you know, making wishes in Vegas and... Space now, and so in this one, yeah, and in, in this one, it's like, all right, well, I guess he's back. Well, Leprechaun in the Hood, it does involve gold, but in this movie, we also have the introduction of a magic flute, yeah, which turns you into a successful musical artist. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like you know, it, it almost makes me think about how like magic flutes and things like. You know, there, there's the video game Super Mario, uh, I think, 3, where when you use a flute, it takes you to, like, different worlds. It might be, that might be a different Mario game. I, I apologize for anybody listening. I probably embarrassed myself just there. But, yeah, the whole magic flute thing, it's like, it it's really there, again, as a really lame, yeah, plot device. Because the plot, let's call us a plot. You have, like, th- again, three uh plot like rap would be rap guys um and it's postmaster p stray bullet and butch uh you know basically they're like the nw no um <laughs> and well no but what's the thing with these characters like i think to the movie's credit when they first show these guys rapping they're trying to audition and they're not good I think the movie knows yeah, like, the they're movie not supposed knows to be good. They're not good. Yeah, but even still, you could make them more interestingly not good. Like in this, it's like Postmaster P. He's named that because he's trying to be all about positivity. And it's like, what are you guys doing? Like, and yeah, and then they have again this magic flute that again, it's not just about the gold. It's also that Leprechaun wants this flute. And yeah, when they use this flute, suddenly they become like successful. They manage to perform and they I'm not gonna say like they get a record deal or anything like that, but they're suddenly like they're still bad, but like the movie wants us to think, oh no, now they're better. Yeah, now I should mention there are funny things in this movie, but oh, yeah. for me, it, this movie had the most just kind of like dead air. Well, it's also, there's just jokes that are so hacky, and there are things that, I'm not going to, like, why this is, this is my, I'm going to spoil, I'm going to spoil it here. This is my, probably my least favorite of the movies, 
Um, just because a lot of the jokes are either lazy or don't make sense. And even though, yeah, there's still some really funny parts. Um, and there's one scene in particular that I'm going to get to in a minute that I think is legit great. Um, but when Leprechaun first reappears in 2000, he says, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty. Free at last. That's not when he comes back in 2000. That's when he's resurrected briefly in the 70s. Oh, oh, that's him in the 70s. Okay. Sorry. Thanks for correcting me. Well, yeah, that's that's the first time he appears in the movie. And there's that moment. And then there's also another moment, like, and this is in 2000, where he makes like a Tiger Woods reference. Like, how do you know about, first of all, putting aside how, like, like lazy it is to try to have like Martin Luther King hood same thing. Like, how does he know about these people? He's been frozen. <laughs> He's been a statue the whole time. He's. <laughs> I'm just remembering like this. This really like it was like a one joke sketch on Saturday Night Live that I still quote years later with Phil Hartman. It was called Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of it. I got shocked you after we recorded. So, it's so stupid, but it's so funny. Where, like, Phil Hartman is basically, the title suggests, an unfrozen caveman lawyer. And he's, like, he's a caveman, and he's, like, giving, like, a speech in court. <laughs> I'm just thinking of that, because, like, Leprechaun's, like, an unfrozen leprechaun guy. I don't know. <laughs> So, yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I don't know what the point of that was. I just... Yeah, a lot of the jokes <laughs> in this movie are not funny. Yeah. Not even funny by uh, the kind of low Look, bar. They're not even, like, good cheap humor. It's... There's, like, a f- there. there's at least five to ten minutes that is just, like, oh, my God, it's a trans, it's a trans person. Isn't that funny? Person, this is a guy in women's clothes. Laugh, uh-huh. Oh, oh, how about this? Well, let's bring it back again. This time, the guy, these two, uh, like Postmaster P and this other guy Butch, they're gonna be now in women's clothes too. Laugh, right? <sighs> yeah, and laziness, so lazy. Also, when I referenced earlier, this is the movie where because I think of the low budget, a lot of the some of the kills happening like off screen. What the hell? Yeah. Why do they think we're watching these movies? The, the, the uh, my thought like was just make it Leprechaun versus Dolomite. Like, don't get rid of these like you know these chuckle fucks who are trying to be rap guys. Make it Leprechaun versus Ice T. Yeah, that's that's what it should have been. You are so right. Like, if it had just been the battle between Ice-T and Warwick Davis, and you could you could somehow bring the blind grandma in, too. Oh, that's who I wanted to get to. Thank you. Yeah, no, she is the standout of, of this movie. The actor is named B.B. Drake, and uh, she plays, like, a blind grandmother. And it's strange that in this movie that... Again, has an out of place I have a dream reference and a Tiger Woods joke and transvestite jokes. You also have an homage to Bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> and like when Frankenstein's monster goes to the 
the blind man's house, and oh no, you don't know what I'm referencing. Like, do you remember? You never seen Young Frankenstein? I've never seen Young Frankenstein. Oh, we have to correct this one day. <laughs> um, but anyway, like, there's also a good parody of that with uh, Gene Hackman, and uh, but yeah, there's a part with that's like the funniest part of the movie, like that where because the actress plays it great. I think she and Warwick Davis are just on the same page. Yeah, they have really good chemistry in their scene yeah. together. That that brings up a point that I think is maybe this is kind of undervalued, which is, you know, an actor can't just, you know, an actor can try to do a lot on his own. But, you know, acting is all about having someone else to act off of. Yeah. And I think that's why in these movies, Warwick Davis can only do so much if he, but if he has someone opposite him, you know, if he has like, you know, Jerry, take the pen guy or, <laughs> or, uh, or Carolyn Williams or, um, or Mittenhouse, you have these people that he can also connect, you know, jibe with that also helps. I think the comedy, but this movie is another movie where I think leprechaun in the hood, if you're going to watch this, do not try to watch this, like, by yourself. No. This is the kind of movie, the only way you're, the way to enjoy it is to watch it, like, with a friend or with a significant other. Aww. That way, you guys yeah. can, like, entertain each other during the dead spots and pay attention yeah. when the movie's funny. There, there's a lot of dead air here. That's, that's the key thing. And as you mentioned, a lot of gore they cut away from there is one really kind of fun gore moment where, like, Leprechaun, pu like, takes his hand and, like, you know, pushes into someone's chest and, like, creates, like, a giant hole. Yeah. And then I think Ice-T, like, looks, you, you see him looking through the hole. Yeah, the other thing that's distinctive about this one is the Leprechaun doesn't die at the end because he has to rap instead, and that's fun. He raps with his zombie fly girls. Yes. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Very funny. And, yeah, well, it's kind of funny, but even by then, like, I feel like the movie's kind of worn out its welcome a little bit. And, again, I don't know if this director was maybe at points trying to make a real, like, movie. And, like, the actor who was playing Postmaster P, like, he also is just so flat. Like, again, cut out the rap stuff and, like... It's really tough, because I think what what this movie could have been was, like, a really strong Tales from the Hood segment. Yeah. And, you know, for those who've seen Tales from the Hood, you know, those movies, a lot of times, yeah, they could be kind of ridiculous and silly, but they also have some type of good social commentary. And, you know, Leprechaun the Hood is not trying for that. And I'm not saying it had to do that, but that could have been a nice direction to take this in. Where, you know, you, you, if you could still be funny, but try to take, you know, the setting that you're in seriously enough in, in a way, I don't know if that makes sense. I get it. Well, Leprechaun 3 took such good advantage of the Vegas setting and Leprechaun 4 took, took such good advantage yes. of the space setting. That's that too. Yeah. They don't take a good enough advantage of the hood setting, except, you know, the very obvious stuff like. Oh, Ice T has a big wig, and oh, he finds that there's this empty space where somebody left a can of malt liquor, and of course, a Leprechaun's gonna smoke weed. And <laughs> yeah, actually, 
He smoked weed less than I remembered, though. Yeah. Yeah, I think he might have smoked weed a, a tiny bit more in the ne- in the last one. Yes, which thankfully, Leprechaun Back to the Hood is better than Leprechaun in the Hood. It's better than Back to the Hood, but it's still, to me, one of the lesser ones. It, it has... The, the thing is, it's a more of a mixed bag. Because Back to the Hood is... Um, it's clearly, a, you could tell again, by the time you get to the last movie in a series, uh, you know, it, you could sometimes kind of tell, oh, well, they they really weren't working with too much. And in this case, aside from Warwick Davis, the big name here was Tangi Miller. Who you didn't really know, but I watched Felicity back in the day. So she was mm-hmm. one of the main characters on Felicity. Was she in any other TV shows? Um, I just knew her from Felicity, but she was... She wasn't the lead. I mean, Felicity was obviously the lead of Felicity. Yeah. But she was in the main cast. Yeah. That's one little thing against the movie, that there's no character that I can la- like say, like, ooh, this guy is really memorable. This person's really bringing a memorable, sort of over-the-top, you know, wild performance. Um, so there's that kind of aspect. And in this one, he... Oh, the thing that's weird in this movie, though... When you, if anybody watches Back to the Hood, which hey, you've come this far, yeah, might as well. <laughs> um, it opens with this kind of prologue telling the story, like where a narrator is speaking and kind of telling a story about the uh, the origins of the Leprechaun and trying to protect his gold. And there's a king's death, you know, et cetera, et cetera. The origin, um, and it's all animated, and it looks really good. Yeah. It looked kind of, you know, you could tell it maybe wasn't finished animation, but what whoever designed it really put the work in. It, like, it's it's almost, you watch it and you think, like, wait, is this, like, a part of a movie, like, from another movie? Is this a part from, like, The Secret of Kells? Or one of those, like, <laughs> Irish animated movies? <laughs> Yeah, so we learn a little bit about the history of leprechauns generally. And we learn, too, that the leprechaun that we see in these movies is distinct from the others. Because we're told the other leprechauns who were protecting the king's gold kind of just went back into the ether when their job was done. Would you say that this was trying to explain why there is no continuity or is it like no no this has been the the thing all along well, <laughs> like trying to retcon i i think by this point if movies <laughs> one through five have no continuity you can't start bringing it in well, it's now. like almost like who gives a fuck yeah. <laughs> like you're you're picking like back in the day like if you picked up like a you know, you're going to get Leprechaun back to the hood from, you know, your local blockbuster. You're and... obviously not the most discriminating consumer if you're watching all these movies. So, I mean, there is a reason why, you know, when we did our podcast about the best picture winners, I had only seen, I think, like, was it like four or five of the eight? There's a reason why I hadn't seen all of them. But of course, I didn't watch all of these. Well, but there's a there's an asterisk to that, though. I yeah, mean, I would have seen more of the Best Picture nominees in theaters. In theaters, if we weren't dealing with this whole COVID yeah. thing. Yeah, but um, 
with this movie, this is where I think the director thought, okay, I'm going to bring it back fully with it being about gold. You know, characters have taken some of his gold. Leprechaun's pissed. He's going to come after them. You know, basic enough. Okay, good. Um, why I think this is a bit of a mixed bag is that there are a few points where the they're like the kills are pretty funny. Yeah. Um, there are also a couple of them that are just more like, eh, all right, well, uh-huh. that's a kill. All right, that happened. Um, and then there are, there's one very funny moment, legitimately, where. Like, Leprechaun is, like, threatening this one, like, thug. Or he's about to try to get into it. And, you know, the, this guy's like, who the fuck are you? What, you know, what were you doing? And Leprechaun's like, I'm the Leprechaun. I'm going... And then, like, the guy's cell phone goes off. He's like, hold on. And then and- he takes a call, and he's on the call for, like, a minute. Yeah. And the Leprechaun is just standing there staring at him, like that, WTF. That was, that was something that I... I bet Warwick Davis had fun playing that scene. Because that actually is, like... Oh, you have to have this is involves comic timing and this involves like legit uh you know you know a, a good here's a base here's a good comic idea for a scene. And yet it also made me wish there was a little more of that in the movie, like clever self-awareness. Yeah, and I would say that thankfully, unlike Leprechaun 5, in Leprechaun 6. The off-screen kills aren't really a thing anymore. No, thankfully. no, he, he is killing people on screen. Um, one, one. I don't know if you call this a nitpick or a flaw. There are points where you could tell, like, oh, okay, he is. Uh, um, you, there, there are a couple points where there's CGI blood. Oh, the um, CGI blood is really bad. Also, there are multiple instances of CGI flames. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's a part where a character tries to, like, use a little flamethrower on Leprechaun, and it's just, oof. (laughs) Like, I I have to, I have to, I would have loved to have been the director in that moment, like, trying to tell Warriors, okay, there's a lot of fire, react! Like, it's, it's like such a Bela Lugosi with the octopus and Ed Wood moment. Now, (laughs) like... The thing that's unique about this movie is, in every other movie, anyone who gets the Leprechaun's gold is either killed almost immediately, or they survive, but they don't maintain possession of the gold. What's unique about this movie is, for some reason, a reason the movie never makes clear at all, for some reason in this movie... The people who get the gold are... The Leprechaun just, like, lets them spend it for weeks before attacking them? And yeah, we get you're this right. Montage, that doesn't make sense. We get this montage of them spending the money, like, going shopping. Now, now, the thing is, though, is that before the Leprechaun appeared in the movie? I thought they were spending the money before he was there on the scene. Well... The thing is, well, that's the other thing. In the sixth movie, they don't show his kind of entrance into the film as clearly. No, he just kind of appears. Well, because he doesn't die at the end of the fifth movie. Yeah, yeah. The fifth movie, I thought he had died, but he really hadn't. Like, at first you think he smokes a blunt with four-leaf clovers, but then 
he but then he's oh psych he's not really dead here's a number where he raps with his zombie fly girls yeah so in every other movie there's a clear moment where the leprechaun goes from a state of like inactive to active he's either released from a confined space or he's turned from a statue into a flesh and blood yeah leprechaun person or mm -hmm. he bursts out of a man's penis <laughs> there's, you know as you do <laughs> there's a very clear entry point but in this movie it's a little muddled because he doesn't really die at the end of leprechaun 5 so mm -hmm. but it is kind of weird that these people are giving carte blanche to spend the leprechaun's gold yeah. for a significant period of time before he comes back to wreak some vengeance. Well, it also makes you wonder, too, like, he's all about, though, I need to have all my gold. Like, wouldn't he go after the rest of the gold that, you know, maybe was t spent in other places? I guess that means... He's just never going to get back some of that gold. Well, that's... yeah, that's the other point. Like, in the first movie, he's going to cut open a guy's stomach for one gold coin out of a hundred. Yeah. He's very clear about how he wants all the gold. Yeah. Every bit of it, no matter what. Let's say, he loves gold! <laughs> yeah, and so that makes... You're right. I, I guess I kind of forgot about that. I mean, we... We also watched this in two sittings, but, like, yeah, that's why I think this kind of feels a bit like a mixed bag, because I think once it really gets into it being more of just a, you know, a slasher movie in, like, the second half, mm. it gets, I think that's, a, it, it's stronger. Yeah. But whereas in the first half, where this director is trying to make it, you know, more about the characters and, you know, that he has real actors <laughs> with him. You know, yeah. he he's not like it. It, yeah. He, I feel like he might have watched part of the first movie and that was it. <laughs> like he kind of understood sort of the the main idea with the leprechaun, but he didn't watch the others. Yeah, I would say the second half of this movie is definitely oh, stronger than the first. Half. Now I gotta pipe in though as a, a film person. This movie has some of the most ludicrous editing choices I've oh, ever yes. seen. Please talk about this. Multiple times in this movie. Okay, so for those who know anything about with film editing, sometimes you want to try a transition from one scene to another. Now, sometimes you can just cut. You maybe have a little bit of music over it, and you can transition from one scene to the next. You have what's called like a hard edit. You just have one image goes directly to the next. Or you might have it be, it might have a little dissolve. You know, that's normal too. You could have like it kind of fade from one shot to the next. Good. Now, the other way you could do it is having a wacky like scene transition <laughs> or a wipe. And, you know, it's one thing in Star Wars when you have like the screen wipe. And... You know, that actually somehow works in those movies. I think part of it is the feel of those movies. It's fine. In this case, I don't know what this fucking editor was doing or thinking, but he's using, like, the screen, like, flips open at times like a book page, <laughs> and other times the shot, like, folds over like a clock. 
hand turning. It reminded me of when I was like 11, when I was like 10 or 11, and I was first taught how to use PowerPoint, and I was taught like transitions in PowerPoint slides, and how you could do like silly transitions, and when I was in like elementary school and learning these <laughs> skills for the first time, yeah. I would play with, like, funny transitions between PowerPoint it, slides. Yeah, and it's like, it, it, you know, look, I know, we're watching Black Rockham back to the hood. I'm not expecting, like, you know, like, the editor of Lawrence of Arabia here, but, like, <laughs> there's a point where they ha he the editor uses one of those scene transitions like there's a character, a couple of characters get stopped by the cops at one point, and you see that transition happen, and it's supposed to be for something that's ten seconds later. Like no, yeah. it, I, I, I'm not gonna. And it seems like at first, it's like, wait, what just happened? Wait, what's that? And you see it literally a dozen times in this movie. Yeah. It is almost like it's like a tick. It's like it, 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 it. We have to do... Someone was having fun with, like... <laughs> yeah, somebody was absolutely having fun with that. Um, All right, do you want to do our rankings and wrap up? Yeah, well, again, so like I said, this last movie, you know, again, I would almost say, though, if you need to pick... If you need to have one in the hood movie in your life, it might as well be the second one, because at least there you're not getting, like, you know, lazy transvestite jokes. And things like that. So, just, yeah, go for this one. My ranking of these, you want to go first? Yes. And I'm just going to go really quick, rank them best to worst. Please. All right. So, three. Leprechaun 3 is the best. Mm -hmm. Then, just a hair below it, Leprechaun 4 in space. Now, these two, to me, are, like, clearly the best and are, like, head and shoulders above the other mm -hmm. ones. So, after three and four... Then I would put one would be number three, mm -hmm. and then six would be number four. And those two would kind of be on a mm -hmm. tier of their own. Yeah. They're like the second tier. Then the bottom tier would be two and five. Mm. So, yeah, I would rank them from best to worst. Three, four, one, six, two, Five. And I would rank them kind of in three tiers, where mm. tier one is three and four, tier two is one and six, tier three, like the bottom tier, two and five. Yeah, I, we're pretty much on the same page. I, I got my numbers mixed up for a second. Mine are three, one, four, and then six, two, five. So I, I'm pretty close with you about those. I just think I like the first one a little bit more than you did. Um and again, I think like that one kind of falls right in the middle of three and one because I think one the first one has some attributes that as kind of I hate to use this word with these movies, but more as a trying to be a legit movie. Yeah. Whereas three and four, you know, you could see the seams showing and that you know you're gonna watch this movie, but first you're gonna watch twelve previews on the videotape <laughs> that comes with it. And then, yeah, then 625, because, again, I think that between the kind of mediocrities of 6 and 5, 2 kind of falls right in the middle there. That makes sense. So, again, there's a lot, and I'm not saying there's even good stuff in 5, but, like, you really have to dig into the poop to get that. 
<laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, <laughs> Leprechaun. We watched them. <laughs> we watched all of them. And if you want to watch them, you can too. Uh, you know, they're on uh, all sorts of VOD and Blu-ray, wherever you can buy that. Um, you know, I don't know if these are available on any streaming. Maybe, I think I saw one or two of them might be on like the Sci-Fi Network. I wonder if they're edited though. Yeah, they oh. probably are. I know because one time I actually liked the 2009 remake, Sorority Row, and I tried to watch it once on like sci-fi streaming, and it was edited. So of course it was. Hey, Carrie Fisher's in Sorority Row. Nothing to be ashamed. Yeah, that, you're right. Oh my god. Oh. I legitimately like that movie. Like, I think it's I, a legitimately good horror movie. I just had, like, an acid flashback <laughs> to that moment. And I know I kind of stand alone on that. But when yeah. I tried to watch that movie on sci-fi streaming, it was edited. So mm -hmm. they might be edited if they're on sci-fi. Yeah. Um, and so if anybody has ha happened to see any of these movies or has some thoughts uh, about anything we're talking about, if... Uh, we didn't even get to the whole ninjas thing. No. <laughs> Back to the hood. That's better left unsaid. Oh, my God. We might be a little too white to really get into that. Yeah. Yeah. Although the only thing I would say about that is that's another thing like the I have a dream reference where you just look at that and wonder, like, how would you know that? Yeah. <laughs> you know. It's um, very cringe. Yeah. So any thoughts, uh, email wagesofcinema at gmail.com. Uh, you know, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, give us your rankings if you've seen them, uh, or if you, I don't know, maybe if you've met Warwick Davis at a con and have a story or something like that, you know, I, I would think he must like these movies. Yeah. I would hope so. You know, it's like actors rare, actors like him, they rarely get a full franchise just for themselves. Yeah. And he... He really makes the best of it. I mean, he's a treasure and a joy. Yeah. In all of these movies. He, he knows what he needs to be for this part. He commits to it. That's the that's the consistency in these movies, is him. Yeah. Like, he's the thing that, t like, barely ties this together. <laughs> is him and his, you know, you know, it's... The moral of the story is there are no small parts, only small actors. <laughs> All right. All right. With that said, uh, when we come back next time, we'll be, you know, I don't know what we'll be talking about. Who knows where we'll go from here? We've gone highbrow. We've gone lowbrow. I don't think we'll ever do middlebrow because that's boring. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'll always have some type of thing for you. Um, so with that said, I'm Jack. And I am Trash Panda Corey. And the wage of cinema is give, give me a good. Give me a card! I'll give you my hugs. Alright, good night.